What up, what up, y'all? My name is Kel. My name is Anna. And you're tuned to Cognac Cupcakes and Conversations. CCC is a podcast with a twist. Cognac, cupcakes, and stimulating conversations. Because it's not just about us anymore. And we're striving to promote awareness of issues affecting our communities. In short, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Yes. Yes. yes we had yes, a special yes. episode this week. Yes, <laughs> I've been trying to. So if y'all don't know, I have been trying to do this episode forever. Yes, and Anna's talking about it. <laughs> but like nothing, I don't know. My time just has not been able to, to settle and really flesh things out the way that I want it to. Um, yeah. Life, but, man, life. Yeah, life, for real. But learning with life has been able for, to shift my priorities in different ways now. So um, I have okay, been... neck roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm really, really excited about this episode. Um, this is going to be a three-part series. This first part is From the Garden. And this is going to be just... Some really good conversations between me and Anna. We're gonna talk about, you know, our what's it what's it like being in our twenties and our thirties, some of the life lessons that we learned from that, and you know, just talking about that growth. And then on the second part of this series, we're going to have some really great conversations with our um our parents, yeah. our mom specifically. Mm-hmm. And that one is um I said from the garden to the kitchen. So, you know, mm-hmm. when you think of your your mom, you think about the kitchen, you think about the cooking, the home cooked meals, you think about cleaning the kitchen, like all mm-hmm. of those things. So, um, and I love the idea of from the garden because it shows about how like the growth that we um, started off as like we're, we're growing into these beautiful fruits and vegetables and you know me and our foodies so this just made sense <laughs> um and then the final series will be uh to the to the bar we end at the bar with our dads to have some really good candid conversations about you know life as a man how they were how was it like raising a girl dad you know being being girl dads and what's mm-hmm. it like being the protector the provider and really understanding from the black male experience. So I'm really, really excited to have these conversations, which all of these are um, inspired by Netflix series. If you haven't had an opportunity, I'm not even sure if it's still on Netflix anymore, but mm-hmm. it was a series called um, In Our Mother's Garden. And In Our Mother's Garden, it highlighted black women from across the globe that unlock stories of their mothers to redefine holistic lives um, rooted in radical self-care and healing in the documentary. So um, I just thought that this would have been a really great opportunity for us to have these conversations with our parents, you know, especially with everything that we have gone through with COVID, through all these racial wars, through just everything of the craziness that we have, you know, endured these last past two years. Um, I think it's important to have these cherish the moments that we have with our parents and have these opportunities to have these conversations so that we can share, learn, grow, and get those wisdom um, and keynotes so that we can pass on to our next generation. So it's just all coming back to the whole point of CCC, the art of conversation. Oh no. (laughs) So um, without further ado, I do want to go ahead and um, get into this motivational moment of the week.
And this is by Dwayne Johnson. And it is, success isn't always about greatness. Dwayne Johnson as in The Rock? I think so. Yes, sir. Okay. 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 (laughs) Yes. Success isn't always about greatness. It's about consistency. Consistent hard work leads to success. Greatness will come. And um, I want to share that because, you know, this is the fall. And I feel like in the fall season, people start thinking about how they want to have this rebrand, this re renew of all these different things to come out with different things. You know, they're in the house, so they, they're much more into the planning phase because they don't have a reason to go outside. So, cause it's starting to get cold outside. So with that being said, a lot of people have asked us about, you know, how long we have last, how, how we have lasted this long in the industry. And honestly, it's consistency, you know, mm-hmm. um, can't get distracted by um, all these other people doing everything that, seems like what you're doing it's very much like the bread in the owl face like everybody has an opportunity to eat everyone has a uniqueness about them that is not of your concern your concern is to keep doing you focusing on what you're doing and once you do that then you're automatically just going to have that success flow into you it's just a manifestation you know what i mean so facts yeah, consistency develops routines and builds momentum. So you got to stay committed to perfecting your craft and keep sharpening your skills. And like I said, the success will eventually follow. Yes. Yes, Well, <laughs> um, we are actually, like I said earlier, this is a special episode. So we are not going to sully the episode with a bunch of um, R&R conversation <laughs> although when you did bring up Dwayne Johnson I was thinking about how <laughs> did you see there was a video circulating of him rapping no um, with some I'm rapper scared. in Tech 9 girl uh, it's new too it's new it's new oh, it's new no. <laughs> I gotta see if um, Dennis can send it to me on um, like we saw it on Twitter so, mm. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? <laughs> I think I'll be fine. Or just, I swear, my okay, I don't know. Maybe it's like I need to start following people, but I'd be like, Twitter be so dry for me. But I'd be seeing like all like on other Instagrams of screenshots of Twitter being like Poppington. So, I just yeah. I need to follow the right people. Tell me who yeah. you need to be following. <laughs> I just I just went back into my old Twitter account and it's. It's uh, I saw some interesting names on there that I didn't remember that I was following. Oh, okay. Um, but <laughs> you know, uh, that was interesting. And then there were some people that were like funny that I followed before, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, like. And so I've had that account since two thousand nine when I was in college. Um, so, um, that is a more robust Twitter account. Uh, however, I still feel like Dennis's Twitter account is way more Poppington than me. He'd be finding out stuff much faster than me. Like, you know, that's why Twitter will never die because it really serves that purpose of getting the information first. 90, 90, I would say 90% of the time, the other time it'd be like on Instagram or something, somebody will post something, they'll choose to go live or something on Instagram. So it'll be fresh there. But Twitter is still the goat when it comes to finding out tea. Yep. So, yep. Shout out to Twitter D as he hates for me to call Because <laughs> he'd be telling me, I'd be like, for real? Like, be like, oh, shit. 
And then shortly after, or I'll try to show him something I see on Instagram. He'd be like, yeah, I saw that. I'd be like, damn, you see everything. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know what? Let me unlock my Twitter account because it's been a minute. But yeah, I'm not even going to go into the Dave Chappelle stuff this week. Um, I, I don't know if he'll die on the vine. Hmm? Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I said, I don't know if he'll die on the vine by next week. But um, it may still be a topic uh, next week. If not, it's not. But I have been exhausted talking in so many different group chats about it that I am sorry. I'm just going to have to choose myself, guys, (laughs) this week. And I'm not doing it. Um, I can't tell people of that community how to feel. Um, And I've learned, what I will say is that I've learned that People of that community, just like people in the black community, have different perceptions. So they don't all feel the same. It's not a monolith. Mm-hmm. So that's where I will leave that, unless you had something to say, Kel. Uh, no, I, it's funny. Um, when it first came out, um, one of our friends hit me up. They was like, are y'all going to talk about it on the podcast? I was like, oh, probably. Really? Yeah, I was like, probably because... Okay, know. okay, let's do it real fast. Let's do it real fast because that that that's important to me. If somebody really wanted to hear us talk about it, I want to honor that. So we can talk about that real fast. It's balance. Ratchetness and righteousness is the yin and the yang of life. You got to be equally yoked with both. I'll let you leave with it. Um, okay, so I'll keep it short and sweet because um, I really want to hear your opinion too. Um. <laughs> Basically, when I when I saw it, I'll talk about how I felt when I saw it. When I saw the special, uh, I felt a little uneasy. Um, some of the things were funny. Um, I can, and it's been like probably over a week or a week since it came since I watched it, so I can't remember all the jokes. But I did watch it in its entirety. So I saw the ending. I heard the the story of the trans friend that killed herself. I remember when I heard that part, I was finally starting to go to bed, like, because we watched it super late. And I was finally getting under the covers, and then he said he, she killed herself. I was like, great. That's what I said, because I was like, this is exactly what I, what I want to think about going to bed. Before you go to <laughs> you <know? laughs> Yeah, I was like, great. And Dennis laughed or whatever. He was already in dreamland anyway, but <laughs> he had to go back and watch it. Um, Is it... Uh, so yeah, so it was typical humor for me from um, Dave. Um, it was just the audience that he was talking about. I was just like, hmm. And you know, a lot of people made a good point that he was re- specifically referring to white um, trans people, white LGBTQ people, or allies like the mom of the trans person, like trying to trip him up and stuff like that. That you know, I got that. That was funny. Like she waited all that time, built up to the to the con- built up the conversation just to be like, you know, she's trans. You know, like <laughs> I get it. Those things were funny and stuff. Things that weren't that I think weren't fun. I was okay. I'm not going to beat a dead horse. What I don't like out of this whole scenario, more than even his stand-up, because I do understand that it's been a big thing with comedy and controversy or whatever, and comedy has always been controversial. It's always been offensive. 
It's just the audience. And I do agree with him that it was that interesting um, line that he drew that black people can get killed and it won't be the same level of visceral outrage and reaction, even though it is because we've had protests, you know, so I kind of agree and I kind of don't agree. But like when, when it comes to corporate action, that's what I would say corporate action that is taken it's a little more i don't know if that's the right word you know it's a little stronger for a lack of better words when it's for that community when it's a they're they're more protected slightly more protected than the black community slightly because there's a lot of nuances in that there's a plenty of black trans women that are still getting killed and nobody's reporting it in the news there's all those different things that are still going on What I don't like more than what he said is that I don't appreciate a lot of black men and even white men that I've heard on various podcasts like Joe Budden, his group of people, Andy Schultz, Andrew Schultz or whatever, all these different people talking about this community of trans people and trying to decide what they should be offended by. And it's giving white man saying what black people should be offended by. It's very much given that it's very much giving I'm light skin. And I think that when I hear black and the berry sweeter, the juice, I feel a way because I feel outcasted and I feel like I don't have the sp- safe space Joe Budden was using words like safe space, talking about black men don't have a safe space to vent or to read. He even said read or to read people. It's giving that to me because what I feel like is though there may be, although there may be some truth to that, I feel like um, there's a level of privilege that you have as a straight black man, just like there's a level of privilege that a straight, I mean, um, a light-skinned woman may have talking about, oh, uh, black and the berry sweeter juice. I feel outcasted. Why can't I talk about yellow bones? Because you fucking can't. <laughs> you fucking can't talk about yellow bones. You can do that, but you're going to get railroaded like Danny Lay did. You're going to get railroaded. Why? Because the point is... <laughs> You're already somewhat a standard of beauty in society, bunny ears, quote unquote. And you're whining and complaining about some shit when these people are obviously more ostracized and more disrespected than you. So that's that's my that's my spiel. What's your spiel as a as a mama of a boy? Because I know you have a certain level and then with everything that happened with Jelani Day this week woo but yeah <laughs> yeah that, know, that was wild um um okay so I did watch the comedy special I personally thought it was funny um mm-hmm. you know I thought it was typical Dave Chappelle doing Dave Chappelle shit you know like mm-hmm. come up watching the Dave Chappelle show so like the stuff that he says that seems very like oh my gosh, taboo. It's not that taboo to me because it's like the same shit that we... I mean, this is from the same person who was doing piss on you, like literally reenacting those moments. So it's just like, 
I didn't really expect anything mm -hmm. other than that. Um, mm -hmm. So as far, but listening to, to, you know, you break things down, I guess I can understand some of what you're saying. Um, for me, mm -hmm. I definitely understood that he was making a point to, to stress the difference between black LGBT black in the brown community, a part of the LGBTQIA plus community, um, mm -hmm. community versus the regulars. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they do, do the most. They mm -hmm. they do, do the most. And they do have uh, moments where they like to pick and choose when they want to become, you know, a minority. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. don't have that. And I feel like you know, like I get mm -hmm. it. Um, but then there is um it was something you said, dang, and I wish I would have remembered everything that you specifically said that I wanted to speak to. I was trying to take notes in my head, but it's late, y'all. So it's okay. Um, it was something you said, okay, in regards to I, I think you said Joe Budden. Oh, safe spaces. The safe spaces. Space? I definitely I know that's a buzzword for you, so I know, right? <laughs> I definitely understand what Joe was saying as far as like having a safe space for men um, mm -hmm. to speak. But I, I I heard, I automatically was like, yeah, I get it. I understand what he's saying. But then when listening to you explain like, okay, yes, but no, not really. <laughs> um, right. I, I you already have a, have a level of privilege. Yes. I have a better understanding of, I can, I can, not empathy. What is the word I'm looking for? But it's not, I mean, I guess it's just understanding. Like, I get what you're saying by that mm -hmm. um, with the whole privilege thing. But do I think it should be, all in all, I don't think that it should be taken off of Netflix. Like, I don't right. think. Right. And they're not going to. Yeah. I don't think it's that deep. I agree as well. But there's um, enough white, again, privilege, enough white, ca uh, white comedians saying wild stuff, you know, in their stuff. And it's even if it's ridiculed, there's no petition to take it off of Netflix. Right. I definitely get what you're saying, especially from the corporate side of things. I definitely think that the corporates are way quicker, corporate and just like campaigns, period, are way quicker to jump on the LGBTQ bandwagon than they are mm -hmm. to jump on the black bandwagon and the only reason why they're doing that now is because we have been fucking shit up in the streets <laughs> yeah exactly years. fucking that shit up in the, the streets that's the only reason why excuse me. <coughs> excuse me and i i think maybe it you know i'm not sure but you know just like there's the naacp there's the human rights campaign and plenty of other um organizations to back the LGBTQIA community. But I do wonder when it comes to the race thing or whatever, I wonder if it's simply that there are people in higher places from the LGBT because there are people from the white community, the um, Caucasian community in LGBTQ community as well, because it's all about intersectionality at the end of the day. Because mm -hmm. That's what a black LGBTQIA person can say. So that's why they can say, I'm not offended. And that they be doing, I know 
someone who is a trans man who said that um, on on Instagram that I personally know. And he was like, yeah, I don't find they shouldn't take his thing off of, off of Netflix because he said nothing wrong. And white LGBTQIA people be doing the most anyway. So and that was from a trans person who's black. And that's because uh, intersectionality, you can be black, handicapped and in the LGBTQIA community. So you getting it from all different angles. And then also you could also be a woman, too. So that's four things <laughs> right there. And when I talk about the hierarchy, I think it is like me and Dennis was talking about it. And I was saying, I feel like it's white man at the top, minority men that are straight. And then even that, I was like, oh, white women is above that. White LGBTQIA men, you know, um, uh, well, I should say white gay men, maybe. Then minority men. Then the white woman, or actually, no, 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 no white back. woman, it should be white right woman. under white yes. men. <laughs> so, white men, white women, white men, white woman, gay white men, and then <laughs> you have minority men, minority women, um, black women, because there's that too, uh-huh. straight up black women, not, not even including them in minority. And then um, black trans women mm-hmm. at the bottom. So when I hear Dave, Ch- I mean, not Dave Chappelle, Joe Budden and them talking about, oh, I don't think they should be upset or it wasn't even him. That was Andrew Schultz by the ass saying that. And I'm like, see, you can't tell somebody how to feel now. You cannot tell somebody how to feel. But Joe Budden talking about the safe spaces. I'm like, nigga, what you think your podcast is? Fuck mm-hmm. out of here. So <laughs> you don't have a safe space to read somebody. You read you niggas can, on the podcast every from... day, B. Right. <laughs> you read niggas on Twitter every day. People go on Twitter and talk about the injustices in the black community every day. You just want to be able to say something to gay people. Like he was mad. He he wasn't mad, but he was talking about. And then we're gonna finish this so we can get to this. <laughs> He was on there talking about with his friends, talking about how what's his name cracked some joke. Lil Nas X saying, um, "Yo, I miss pussy" or something. Being gay was fun, but I miss pussy. And then the next tweet apparently was him saying, "Oh, he called back. Never mind." First of all, we all know Lil Nas X trolls, right. but Joe took it upon himself to make that a whole segment of his episode and say. Well, this is a whole him and his friends. Well, I don't understand how you can say that. And the whole thing has been with gay people that they say that they they are um, they can't choose whether or not they're gay. And if you can't choose whether or not you're gay, like I want to know if you're straight or not. Blah blah blah. Like nigga, why are you doing this? Like you know, Lil Nas X is joking. You think Lil and sure it could have been a thing where. And I, I almost want to pause myself because I, I don't want to go off too far into a tent. You know, I'm going to pause myself. I'm going to just say the nigga was joking. And if he's not gay or if he's bi or whatever, cool. Why are you so obsessed with whether or not he's straight by a comment where he said, I miss pussy and he's joking. 
And then he says, never mind. He called me back. Why, why are you so obsessed with, well, they said, they've been saying that you, you can't choose whether or not you're gay. So this one person is going to be the whole decision maker for a whole community. All right. I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. We came here to talk about <laughs> and the episode is called I'm Coming Out on top of that. <laughs> I know. So um, I know. I was trying to figure out like what song would be appropriate for this. And I came up with I'm Coming Out because I was just thinking about like us coming out of, you know, the ground and becoming this thing, the seed yeah. from the seed to the bloom. So that's where it came out from. <laughs> Word, word. It fits so well. Fits so well. So yeah, but you want to break down like this talk topic that we're about to have? Yes, I'm pulling up my notes now. Um, yes. So yes, it's basically everything. Like I said, um, like I talked about earlier in the show, was it was inspired by the Netflix series In Our Mother's Garden, which highlighted the Black women across the globe that unlocked the stories of their mothers to redefine holistic lives rooted in radical self-care and healing in the documentary um and it got me really to reflecting on how often we miss the opportunities to learn from the wise so um with all of that being said i just wanted to have some candid conversations with anna um to talk about like what was our life like and our reflections on our life in our 20s and 30s and understand the difference between our mindset from then to now and just how, you know, how far we have come and what does it mean to be in this space that we are now? Like the appreciation that we have for the things that we wish we knew when we were in our 20s. And even when, keep it, we're not deep in our 30s. We're only like 33. But we have learned right. hella lot of lessons. I would say even this year. <laughs> this year yep. has been hella lot this of lessons. year gets heavier, child. Right. <laughs> So, um, yeah, on our journey um, coming into womanhood and coming into motherhood for um, Anna and me coming into motherhood from my 20s. So without further ado, I think I'll kick off the question and then I'll we'll do a little tag team. Okay, cool. (laughs) All right. So my question to you would be, (coughs) excuse me, um, I need to have a drink of cognac. Um, (laughs) You could describe your twenties in one word. What would it be? Hmm. The first question, the first thought that came to my mind was fun, but that's not true. <laughs> that's not the full totality of um, my twenties. So, I would say confusion. That's real. I would say confusion. That was the second thought that came to my head. I mean, you could be fun and you can have fun and be confused too. So like, I'll say confusion. Reason why is because I was still trying to figure out myself. Um, I had some moments with friends where we may have fallen out. And that was sad and confusing at times. Um you know, I'm glad that we we made back up though, you know, but uh that was rough. That was hard on me. That was probably the hardest part for me in my twenties, falling out with a couple of my best friends. 
Um, that makes sense. You know, losing a friendship is harder than losing a relationship with like a lover. You know, yes. your friends because I, you deep. love them deep. Yeah, it's you love deep. You know, Beyonce don't be lying when she's talking about I love you deep, deep. That's real. Loving someone deep as a friend, that's a yeah. relationship. And that's when I learned that. Um, but I'm glad that that didn't stay that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm so grateful for that. Uh, but uh, the other parts, you know, sometimes figuring out myself, um, figuring out my, not my sexuality. I guess, yeah, my sexuality, yeah. not like um, orientation wise, but you know, being comfortable feeling, in your skin. What'd you say? Being comfortable in your skin and letting yeah. your like getting to know like what your version of not necessarily of a freak, but like yeah, you what know, your kinks are. Yeah, not feeling not feeling um ashamed of your kinks. We should do a show you know, on that all, one day. Do you want, you say you want to talk about that one day? One day we should do a show on that. Yes. Yeah, we should. I'm down. Yeah. Woo. I got to be drunk for that one. I'm still a little ashamed. I know. I get it. I I have, I have my moments too. I get it. I think that should be like a round table conversation with like some girlfriends. So it's not just us on here. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would probably really, open it up at least for me but yeah Mm -hmm. that's what I would say and like confusion around like I oh you you always know me to like know my worth and stuff like that but I think I still had moments where I didn't know my worth I know I had moments like that I still had that and I still you know liking guys that you know that that's what I would do I would obsess over a guy that I was scared to talk to because of my gap and and shit like that girl I I look back on them times and you know sure I'm glad I closed my gap to a certain extent or whatever but like I look back at my body from back then who I was girl (laughs) and I'm like woo why why right why Right. Or even the guys that you wish you would have, like, if, if I get back to the kink stuff, I wish I would have just been a little more confident and just let let some things happen. Or not yeah. let some, do some things I really wanted to do, but I didn't do them because I didn't want to look like a hoe. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't want to seem like a messed up friend <laughs> in one particular scenario. <laughs> I wish I would have just gone ahead and sampled that. Because yeah. they sampled, and then I had other friends that sampled. That was our hoe. <laughs> Community D. He was our hoe. He really could have just been another one on my list. I didn't have to be on his list. That's why I love Megan Thee Stallion. I, I love all the way he talks about. I be like, yes, and don't get me wrong, I did my dirt. I did my dirt, but like, woo, like I could have done more. I could have done more. <laughs> Yes, I so that's my answer. <laughs> so, um, yes, let me ask you your question. I feel like my mic is super loud. My bad, y'all. I'm trying to turn it down. Okay, so um, my question to you is, what would you tell? Hmm, actually, maybe I'll ask you a question that's more centered around that time period. 
um, for you. So I'll skip on down to this question. How has becoming a mom at 20 changed your perspective on life and young moms altogether? Okay. Um, I think going into my 20s, I didn't know a lot. And I think that gave me anxiety and like felt like I just had to do whatever my either older sisters told me or what my parents told me to do. And I wish that I was more confident in figuring things out my way and doing things my way and understanding that my way would be the best way because this is, you know, like every household is different. And I was able to learn from a lot of the mistakes that my parents would have made and even my siblings made in their parenting journey, but they all had that opportunity to figure it out. And Mm -hmm. I feel like for me in my twenties, I would have done things differently. I just, I would have, I think my mindset would have been more um, enjoy the moment. Don't worry about like how you're going to figure, having everything all figured out. Like, I think I missed out on a lot of good moments that I could have had with my child. Like I had great moments, don't get me wrong, but I feel like um, I could have had more and I would have had um I think that connection would be even stronger and our relationship is what it is right now. And it's, it's strong, but I just, you know, certain things you just time, you can't get back in those moments you can't get back. So I personally wish that I did things more my way. Like Mm -hmm. I was strong enough to stand in like, okay, this is, this is how I want to raise my child. This is, you know, the steps that I want to do this. I want to enjoy these moments. So no, I'm not going to be able to work. I'll figure it out on the back end you know, mm-hmm. somehow, some way, everything will come together. I don't have to mm-hmm. overwork myself to, to be this person. And my child already loves me. He comes out the womb, just like mommy, it's- mommy. Yeah. yeah. Word word. Do you feel like I have a follow-up really quick? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like he, he put you on a path though, that you needed to go on? Or do Absolutely. you feel like he was always that person that was gonna be like not like ambitious because yes he was always ambitious but you know like focused I guess I think that I've always had that hustler mentality in me I think that is part of my DNA I think ironically I think I get that from my mom um Mm. but um I think the difference between now and what could have been, you know, or what would have been without him is the determination behind it. Like I have a, Mm -hmm. it is like you said, like there's a focus, but there's a reason there's a purpose behind the focus. So if I always have that in the front facing of my, my mind, there's, there's like, I have to do this because of this. It's not, I have to do this because, my mom told me to do it or, you yeah, know, that's like, I got to get on a honor roll because my mom said so word. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like I don't, there's no, that purpose is not fulfilling, I guess you could say, but having the purpose to fulfill, like I need to make sure that my child has everything that they need so that they can be successful. 
is way more fulfilling than mm, doing it for someone lovely. else. So I love that. I look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it's crazy how they do it. So I think, yes, yes, it did change. Yes. I was more focused. Yes. The tenacity is there. Like I know my, uh, one of my coworkers, she always makes fun of me. She always calls me like a dog with a bone on it. Like once I have my mind fixated on something, I'm not letting the shit go. So, and yeah. I definitely can attribute most of that to Eric. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yes. Um, yeah, I love that question. Thanks. <laughs> um, my question for you. Now, I'm wondering if I should skip around. <laughs> um, yeah, I am actually. I'm going to go into the whole spiritual side. Did you have a spiritual plan for your life? And if so, what it encompass? And before you answer that question, I want to kind of give um, our friends that are sitting on the couch with us um, virtually <laughs> some background. Both Anna and I come from a um, Christian home background. We were raised in the church um, and spirituality is something that is something that's very important. So this is something that we love. This is something that we live by. And, um, Dang, I forgot what I was going to say with that. <laughs> but um, basically what I want to say uh, to this day, like you are, it's funny because I feel like now you're living in the Bible. Like we, it's this personal joke between us that like I used to live in the house with the Bible because my mom, like you open up a cabinet, it's the word. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, your uh, mother-in-law and oh, word, yeah, fitting image, you know, like <laughs> both of them are the same, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, with so all that being said, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, so, um, what I will say, so, yeah, so did I have a spiritual plan for my life? Um, I guess to a certain extent, because although, yes, I did grow up in a church, I mean, a, a God, God fearing home. I think that yours was a lot stronger in um, knowledge and faith base. Um, we did not go to church every Sunday or, you know, a month of Sundays. You know, a lot of times when I was growing up, it was just Easter Sunday we were going to church. But I think what happened is, you know, like they say in the Bible, train your child up in, in the, the word they and they will they return. From you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. That's what happened with my parents. They were brought up in the church. Um, so much so that I feel that, you know, my father may have strayed because it was kind of forced upon him. And also him losing a sister when he was young and stuff like that, um, like a teenager. I think that kind of also shaped some of his qualms with things, but he's still a God fearing man. Um, he still believes in God and Jesus and everything. Um, he just doesn't really do the fellowship and thing like that. Mm -hmm. He doesn't feel the need to do that. And then as for my mom, she always had, she was in the choir. She did all that stuff. They both got like confirmation and stuff like that. They did all that stuff being kids from the, from the West Indies and, and Panama and stuff, you know, that's just what you did. And so, um, you know, when my grandmother came to live with us, I think that strengthened it and that might have propelled my mom to push for us to start going to church. So it was like when I really when I got into 
middle school slash high school, we started really going to church, like on the military base and finding like community in that. And then later in my life, you know, I went to college and it was funny because I had that background and I, I'll never forget, I walked down this, you know, when they do like these little fairs or whatever for groups, mm-hmm. um, you have like, you have a career fair, but mm-hmm. this was like a organization fair, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they had them um, on the mall, uh, shout out to University of Maryland College Park, mm-hmm. McKeldin Mall. Um, they had them all on the grass lined up and I was looking to go to the Delta table. So I think I went over there and it was like, you know, when you're trying to join a sorority, it's very much like, you know, you got a protocol that you got to go by and, you know, follow up and stuff like that. So I just got whatever information. (laughs) I think there was like a car wash or something that they were doing. And it was very like, I don't want to say standoffish, but just very like, oh, you know, like, we'll talk to you later kind of thing. So I was like, okay, hopefully they consider me. And I walked off. I didn't have no money like that either. So I was just like, damn, man, maybe I could get some money. Then I saw this Episcopalian church stand and I, my church was Episcopalian. So I was just like, oh, okay. You know, so I go over to them, start talking to them. Child, that turned into my first job in college (laughs) doing like social media and stuff like that and bookkeeping. Um, they took really good care of me when I couldn't pay for my um, my uh, apartment that I was living in with my friends. They took me in and they said, look, you just pay us $50 a month and you can live in our church housing. You just have to come to church every Sunday or at most Sundays and participate in um, uh, community service and stuff like that. Like it was a blessing. And so it's just like I kept returning to God. No matter what. So I can't even really say that I had a plan for my life, but he had a plan. Ooh, mm, yes. He had a plan for me. And so that's kind of where it kept coming. Even now with my husband, like Kel was saying, like I ended up bec- be- becoming close to somebody who was strong in their faith, marrying someone who came from a strong faith base. And luckily I was at a stage in my life where I was ready for that. I had just, you know, around the time we got together, like months later, I had gotten um, baptized and stuff. That's what it's called. right? And then they're saved. Yes. So you see how I could lose it sometimes. Get me back, Lord. Get me back. Baby bread, girls. Baby bread. I'm young. I'm young in my walk. You know, I heard my I heard my mother-in-law say that earlier upstairs in uh Bible study, like when you're young in your walk. I, I'm still a little I'm a teenager in my walk. I'm not a toddler, <laughs> but I'm a teenager. So I know better, <laughs> but I don't know it all. <laughs> he ain't through with me yet, like Steve. Hall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let me ask you a question like that one. Um, Did I? Oh, yes. How did your spiritual beliefs change from your 20s to your um, early 30s, which is now? Yes. Um, I think for me, my faith changed. And it had to be, I am a hard-headed person. My dad has always said, you know, um, a hard head, a hard head makes a soft ass, something like that. Yeah, a hard um, head makes a soft ass. Mm-hmm. 
And I have to learn things the hard way. Like, so although that I came up in the church and I grew up in the church, I don't think my faith was strong in it because I think what it was, was one, it was very much forced. I was in church on Tuesdays, on Fridays, on Sundays, on revivals, on every single church service from 11 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Like you don't. And there's a lot of people that that happens with and they stray away. Yeah. Like I just, and it was, I think it was also understanding, like finding my um, spirituality is finding like a way that God can speak to me. Like I had to find my own way of communicating with God. I couldn't use the way that he communicated with yeah. my parents and understanding yeah. that. So that journey really definitely changed me when I was able to get away from my church that I grew up in. And mm-hmm. then, but like the stronger and stronger it started to become. And I will say, I think my faith, the most time, the scene that I see, the thing, the most time that I've seen my faith grow was when I got COVID. I think that wow. one, that I think is the strongest that like now there is no shout, nor no like, um, no shout doubt. doubt. Yeah, no shadow of a doubt. Can't talk today, y'all. Hopefully I can clear this up by tomorrow. <laughs> but yeah, there's no shadow of a doubt um, on if things are going to be work out for me. Like I have faith of like the mustard seed. I'm good on that. Yeah. So I think definitely just growing in my spiritual, my own personal spiritual journey, finding a church that I could really relate to and someone who can speak in a way that I can understand and that it would trigger like, yeah, like, dang, I am going through that right now. It just, it was different. And I think That's what it beautiful. is that you got to find your own journey. You got to build your own relationship with God. You can't use the relationship that your parents instill for you. As I know that they want us to do that. I know what the Bible says, like, you know, to bring, you know, like we just said earlier, now it's gone out of my head, but um, I know that that is what the Bible said, but I think that it's it's so much more interpretation behind that. And talking about the Bible is like a whole nother story because, you know, it's full of interpretations. <laughs> that too. Oh, girl, that oof, that's like three episodes in one. Like, first of all, um, I won't even go down that rabbit hole because listen, but <laughs> um, as far as like building the foundation, which is what that scripture, that, that quote that we quoted means like you build the foundation of the faith in your child and they will not depart from it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, but I think there is a time where they go off and they come back. And the part you know, I've heard jokes about people saying like, yo, Jesus had a whole 30 years in the Bible that you don't <laughs> know about. <laughs> you know, he, he went through some things that we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just really interesting when um, people p- interpret the Bible the way that they interpret it. And then they also are your parent and they want to control, you know, how you end up interpreting it. And I think it really is simply doing the foundation, bringing them to a place where they can start to decipher it for themselves. Cause I think that happened for me too. Cause they always say when you get baptized or whatever, you go into a season Yep. of you know trials a lot yeah. of stuff <laughs> and I definitely everyone that I know that rededicated their life to Christ and with the baptism and stuff they went through a season yep 
they went through a heck of a season. So, and it's funny that you say that because uh, about like creating your own relationship with God, because me and Dennis was just talking about that earlier, how he heard that from a friend's parent who shared that with him because he also was in the church all the time, every day, blah, 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 sun up, sun down or whatever. And he had to form his own relationship with God and it made it stronger, a stronger relationship for him. So. Absolutely. I think oh, you next to question? ask me. I was like, wait, I can't remember who asked that wait, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you. It's me. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So my question for you Um. Oh, dang. I'm about to ask you the question that she was about to ask me. My bad. All the I wrong knew you letters. Was. I knew you was. All on the wrong letters. Okay. So, yes. To make it more lighthearted, um, shows like Sex in the City gave us the impression that being in your 30s meant you had to have it all together. So, what advice would you give to the young queen that's, you know, changing from the 29 to the 30 about your 30s? Oh shoot! So that I did. I think my question to you to combat that one is the same question. I'm sorry, <laughs> it is the same question, <laughs> but I just worded it differently. Okay, so I would say to the young queen that was about to turn thirty, um, it truly is the a new beginning of a new phase in your life. Like it's it's a new awakening mm-hmm. um and it makes you you know as you go through it and you start to finally settle in that idea i think it might take you a year to realize that that it really is a new beginning of life um or stage of your life you'll actually start to get excited about your 40s yep because they say that that's when you like Really don't care. And then I also think in your 30s, you you will learn that you will change and certain things won't be as important to you anymore as or as bothersome to you anymore as other things that should be a little more important. Um, and it will test your relationships with your parents because you will be grown and you will start to see things that might make you think twice about what they did. But um, after you have that situation with your, you know, after you have that, um, not situation, but, you know, that awakening and combativeness of trying to deal with that and trying to sort through that, which you should have went to therapy for. That's another thing. Yeah, I should go to therapy. And you still haven't, but you just need to go to therapy. (laughs) Um, But like, once you have sorted through that somewhat, you will, you will learn that you need to forgive your parents because girl, I saw this deep ass thing on Instagram the other day. Shout out to Ashley Nicaragua who posted it. Me and her was talking about it. It's, it was basically saying, I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically saying, I didn't know when I was young that I was watching my parents grow up. Yep. That is so true. That is so Mind true. Mind blown. Right. Mind right. Blown. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and throw it back to you. I basically said, what would you tell your 29-year-old self? Because somehow we thought 
the world was coming to an end at 30 and that we were all we were going to be old. Shout out to our homie Kid B who <laughs> her birthday is today as well and um she was talking about that too earlier today like why did I think she was like it's giving immaturity because it's like why did I think I was really about to be old at 30? Like right. this is the you know you just girl you just hit the new re- not the restart button but like <laughs> nigga listen right so anyway what's your thoughts i would definitely say brace yourself sis like honestly i think that you need to allow yourself to to learn from these lessons and to like go through these mistakes and forgive yourself and also just Hmm. realize that when you turn 40 like you are definitely leveling up i feel like like you said it's one of those things where you're wiser you make different decisions because now you're not making decisions for the appeasement of other people, you're making the decisions for what you want to do. Like the fucks has started to fizzle away and Mm -hmm. you are just, you're more appreciative of, of yourself. And you're more centered in who you are. You like, I, that's what I love about being 30. I really feel like I'm becoming more and more. I'm liking more and more of who I become. Uh, right. who I have become. Yeah, I can't say right. It's you season. Yes. I, I feel like it's just like it's a season of you. And um, out of everyone, it's so funny. When I think of like the people that I've encountered, I think one person I think that's really, really enjoyed herself is Lady Mountain or his heart. Like she is living her life. She's beyond 40, but I can time. see, I get it now. Like I remember like, Dang, maybe I should have said her name. <laughs> but I remember like people's perceptions. I'll say that. I, I remember people's perceptions being like, oh, she's just doing whatever. And I get it now. I'm like, that's what she was supposed to do. You know, she was supposed to be mm-hmm. out here living her life and having fun. And the other people that I had had stuff to say, they're sad and upset and in their feelings. And she is full of life. You know, she's Mm -hmm. dancing, she's moving her body, like she's going out skating. Like, who does that at 60-something years old? Like, she's living life, and she's enjoying it, and that's what I want. I want to be like that. I want to be full of life. (laughs) I really see that for you in your um, 40s, like how you said on your birthday trip, like, I feel like when I when I turn 40 or in my early forties, it's going to be, you know, my bad bitch alert moment, you know, and we all agreed with you because your son will be of a certain age. It'll be all about you unless you Mm -hmm. pop out another one. And either way, I think even if you did pop out another one, which we, you know, we all want that for you. Even (laughs) if you did pop out another one, like you'll be more settled. Yeah. It'll be different. You'll be more settled. And so you can still, regardless and you'll get your degrees plural you know degrees and everything and I think you're just gonna be in a house that you own and it's just gonna be cracking on and cracking yeah and um there was something you said forgiving I think it was the forgiving yourself of your mistakes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I can't remember what it was I wanted to comment on but um yeah I think I'm still in that phase of somewhat of that but a lot of it yeah I've definitely forgiven I don't know if that's what I wanted to comment on but um 
Yes. Great points that you made. Go ahead and ask your question to me now. Yes. Okay. So um, I'll do this one because I want to save that last question for last. Um, Mm -hmm. What has being an entrepreneur taught you? Um, I saw this meme today (laughs) that sums it all up in one statement. I wanted to um, work a nine to five. I wanted to leave, uh, become an entrepreneur because I didn't want to work a nine to five and I wanted to do what I wanted to do. They didn't say that I wanted to do what I wanted to do, but I'm adding that in because that's a big piece of it for me. It's not about the money. It's about doing what I feel passionate about. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I work 24 (laughs) seven. I've been seeing that one too. Like I've been seeing um, TikTok reels and um, Instagram reels about that with them screaming. And it was like, I think there was like, they said it like, you know how that repeated it? Like I wanted to do this because I wanted to do this, but I'm doing this. Yes. (laughs) Facts. Facts. So I'll keep that answer short and sweet. That's really what it is. And I, uh, what I also will say on a serious note is that I need multiple streams of income. So being an entrepreneur of one thing is not going to work in this day and age. So that, what is that saying? Um, And I got to look up the long version of it because everyone keeps always saying the short version of it. Um, A master. Oh, what? Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, but what is the full of it? A jack of oh. all. There's a full. That's not the full quote, and everyone gets caught on that one. Okay, here it goes. A jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. So, oh, I love that, girl. So, that needs to be the motivational moment next week. Okay, <laughs> because yeah. that's real. People need to hear that. People like me. Me yeah. to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially that. when you feel like you have all these talents and stuff like, so, like I learned what I have been starting to call myself. I'm starting to call myself. Cause I used to say Jane of mad trades or whatever. Mm-hmm. I still have that on my Twitter account, I think, but basically I feel like I have, <clears throat> excuse me, so many talents. And then I got caught up in that whole thing in my twenties. Uh, being a jack of all trades and 30s, a little bit of 30s too, being a jack of all trades and a master of none. But I need to hear that part too, because what I started to recently started to call myself was a renaissance woman. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm a renaissance woman. I have mad different skills and I can monetize all of them if I want to, if I want to put enough effort into it. And that doesn't mean I have to be a quote-unquote master and what is a master right when you think about Who it defines what that? if i am a master of those things or i have yet to unlock the masterpiece because i'm just like oh i want to do all these things and oh i didn't do it well enough so i'm gonna quit this you know which is a whole other conversation yep. but yeah if you call yourself a renaissance woman or a renaissance man you acknowledge that you have these beautiful talents and you can monetize all of them to your benefit. Absolutely. All is right. it my turn or is it your turn? Hmm? I said, is it my turn or your turn? It's your turn. Oh, it's my turn. Um, so you used to call yourself an occupational whore. <laughs> yep. Now that you are settled in your career and moving on up, which do you think yielded an easier lifestyle or and or peace of mind? Mm. 
Uh, honestly, I would say being an entrepreneur <laughs> and not having all my shit together um, has definitely was much easier, way easier than um, climbing the corporate ladder. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is especially into my 30s, like when we were talking about how like you're still trying to figure everything out and you um, being at the process of doing things for other people and not necessarily doing it for for you. It's Mm -hmm. like I'm having constant reminders with myself like um, I don't got to do this shit no more. Like I can put other things as a priority. Like why am I really doing this? Is this something because I want to do it? Or is this because I know that this looks good and my family will be proud of me? A lot of my issues mm. is more so because I'm doing it because I want to appease my parents. I want them to be proud of me because I've always been the black sheep of my family. And baby girl, you think <laughs> you're the black sheep? What? Yeah. Other than, okay, um, offline conversation. Yeah. But <laughs> that's because deep that because the way... She, that other person, not, excuse me, not she, but that other person is, um, it's expected of them. So it's not even that she's as, mm. as if they're the black sheep. It's like, oh, that's, that's just what they are. That's who they are. It's an acceptance. It's not even like a thing where like. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. I, you don't even have you know, to elaborate, but you can't fail. You yes. can't do those things. When yes. you mess up, it's like, no. And. Yeah. <laughs> I leave a lot of my comments till after the show, but I think part, a lot of that is, I leave one of those comments. Okay. Move on, Anna. Don't say that. But <laughs> I think, um, well, I guess it's not a bad thing. Maybe because you're the one out of all of them. That's th- both. Yeah. Both of theirs. Yeah. And so they can both jointly, you know, wow. be hard on you. Um, and then the other thing is, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's basically it. That just leads into everything else. So they're going to be harder on you. They're going to want more for you. They're going to want all this different stuff for you. But I also feel like it's deep, though, because you're the most reliable. I was about to say that. I literally just saw this post and I was going to post it and I was like, nah, because people's going to be in their feels. <laughs> but it was literally a post on TikTok and it was like, why? Let's talk, have a conversation with um, Black mothers and how Black mothers be with their daughters and how they mm. would be like really extra like, she said mean, but I think that wasn't the right word that she should have used. But like mm. they're extra hard on them in a sense of um, expectations, expectations of them and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. expectations of them. But yet, they're the ones that they're the hardest on and that they're, they're the meanest to is the ones that's always there for them. That they always go to like, can you do this yeah. for me? Can you do that for me? And we're gonna do it because that's what we do. I that that could be said about uh someone else I know who's going through that right now in her older age with someone that I know very well who's starting to lose their memory. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, you become the caretaker. Yep. And and it's, you get beat up the most. Meanwhile, someone's over here taking crack. 
Living um, life. <laughs> life. expected of them to do that, mm-hmm. but you're expected. So that it's a very, very similar. Interesting. Yes. Yep. And then the other one is off with their family in another state. You know, raising their doing what they pop in when they can to help and stuff like that. But uh, you know, they're not there 24-7. So the weight is on that one person, the the daughter. The weight is on the daughter. While yep. the sons, you know, do what they one do. is successful, deemed successful and has a family and stuff and is off trying to, they try to come back and they feel guilty when they come back and they try to help, but they can't be there 24 seven. And the other one just, wow, just whatever. <laughs> but the, the person who's the most reliable, constantly there, every beck and call or whatever is the one who gets the mistreatment the most. Yep. The dog. It's wild. You know, Ooh. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I know so much things to unpack on this episode. That, that is that is deep, and um, the the living up to your going back to the living up to your parents' expectations. What I was just gonna say was like when I was like, and baby, what I was gonna say was like, I don't think they'll ever be. What I learned from when we used to be doing global spin awards and stuff, and I heard like some of those DJs like Green Lantern, I think was one of them, and God rest his soul, Combat Jack. All these different people that were talking about how their parents didn't really see it for them <laughs> with their careers and stuff. And I hear that about people that work in like social media and like, you know, made headway at Facebook and stuff. And now they're like this big time CEO and stuff like that. Like, you know, a lot of times when your parents don't see that pathway, they don't understand like what you're trying to do. Until you reach a peak level of success, they're not going to really celebrate it. So it really is like you have to do it for yourself. Like I see my father that way, bless his heart. Like he he came from a place where his parents only saw certain certain careers that would prove to be extremely um, beneficial because they're coming from the islands. They're immigrants. They're like, we didn't come here for you to just fuck off and do whatever. <laughs> like, right. like you become a doctor or a lawyer, lawyer. because you have the, those opportunities here. You know, now for him, it's like, you should do computers or whatever. not to me necessarily, but like my brother or something. And then like, for me, he was a little open to the journalism thing. And then when I didn't go down that path, it was like, okay, so what you about to do, you know, oh, this field that you're working in marketing. And I'm like, you acting like I'm, I'm out here, you know, doing flyers for the club, like, right. <laughs> you know, like that's a very demanding job and it's, it's very competitive, you know. They just, they don't see mm-hmm. the benefit in it if it's not some kind of straightforward thing that they're, if it's not something that they're familiar with and a mm-hmm. straightforward path. And they're, they're the last of the Mohicans of having jobs that are um, loyal to them. And a lot of them, ain't, the jobs ain't even loyal for real, for right. them, even for them. So that, oh, staying at a job for 50 years or whatever, 401k you were talking you know they got all these holes in that 401k shit 
Like we've talked about that on this podcast mm-hmm. before. If y'all have not seen Money Explained, you really should. Right. <laughs> on Netflix. Now that is still on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um there's holes and all that shit. And you know, we only know what we know. So who knows what we're it's funny because now it's like um cybersecurity and stuff and help desk and IT work is the is the new lawyer and stuff mm-hmm. like that's the new thing like the hot item hot ticket job mm-hmm. to have it to move up fast and make m- lots of money i wonder what it'll be when our kids get older right so okay i think you have your last question and we we're asking the same question to each other yeah so. we are so um i'll go first the question is um, what does being a black woman mean to you? Uh, well, I'll try to keep my answer as short as possible, famous last words, but I've always said that I feel like I was reincarnated from being an African princess mm-hmm. in some past time. And then I felt like I was like some kind of Apollonia chick um, <laughs> from the eighties that died from a heroin overdose. Oh God. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and was reborn right away right <laughs> at the, at, in 88 but <laughs> um i love being a black woman and um to sum it all up being a black woman with um a multi uh what a what a multicultural or multinational nationality or whatever kind of di- diaspora um, background um, and hereditariness or whatever. I can't talk today. <laughs> Ancestry. That's the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, multi, you know, cultural and multi uh, nationality ancestry. Uh, it still brings it all back home for me because I, I love that. That's the one thing that keeps it all um, in common being black. Mm-hmm. And I always will stand for that. I always will stand for um, the con- the uh, I was going to say the country, Lord, <laughs> the continent of Africa, because I do believe that we all was we all was formed there. Like human, the human race, literally, we came from that landmass, and um, and then I feel that we are the culture. Black people are the fucking culture, yo. Yep. Like you see it all the time. Yep. We are the culture. That's why you got black fishing. That's why you got all these different things that go on. Um, that's why the, we've been hated on. That's why we we led the charge. We taught people how to bathe them ass. Yes. We taught people, people in France and Versailles. I was just reading about this, watching this on YouTube, how stink, yes. you know, it was during the Queen, um, what was her name? Queen Elizabeth, I guess mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Um um, Marie Antoinette, you know, they was stink back then. Teeth falling up. Oh, we had all these the Moors and stuff. The the tribes of the Moors and stuff. They taught people how to bathe and cleanse and and wash their bodies. We are innovative, you know. We are an innovative culture. And then when it comes to being African American, I claim that too because that is the experience that I had. I'm not saying you could be transracial because. You know, you can't be white out here saying that you're black because that's the experience that you had. <laughs> but I am first generation, you know, 
African-American, but my parents are from the West Indies. So of course I obviously have a huge influence of all of that, but I always would wonder like why nobody, you know, back in the black planet days, people talking about their Cherokee and all this stuff. And sure, there are black people that are, I just learned that Christmas Atticus was, um, Wampanoagan or some, 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 um, you know, uh, let me not say some, it, I mispronounce <laughs> that tribe, um, of native Americans, but, um, there's a lot of black people that are native American and black. So yes, that's a real thing. I have friends that have that really in their background, but, uh, <laughs> as far as, um, you know, claiming all these other things, but nobody ever want to claim that they're African-American. I feel like being African-American is a beautiful culture because it's a beautiful struggle that we came up and we over, we overcame. We still have a lot to overcome, but we overcame as black people in general, because we are so dominant of a rich skin tone and a culture that there's always going to be someone that's going to want to have their foot on our necks for us mm-hmm. to not truly flourish. And I, I really feel like as a black woman, it's important to me to one day make it to Africa. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Africa one day and just step on the land and absorb it and cry in it. And, you know, learn there is, again, with intersectionality, there is the, the stories of being sold to different land masses and stuff like that. But that is healing that we as a diaspora have to do amongst ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's happening um, slowly but surely. But black, black is beautiful. That's what it means to me. <laughs> I love it. And for me to- And stop all that light skin, dark skin shit. Like I've never <laughs> been down with that shit. Never. She has so, I can that's honestly That's my closing statement. <laughs> never like because it's stupid and it's dividing people and it's it's just like it's no point because a nigga is a nigga (laughs) a nigga is a nigga that's why they got octoroons and mulattoes and all them there's a reason why they gave those names a nigga is a nigga (laughs) all right Yes, um, I definitely agree with you. Black women is the culture. Um, when I think of a black woman, I think of strength. I think of unity. I think of leadership. I think of sensuality. I think of sexuality. I think of vibrancy. I think of um, strength. I think of fashion, spirituality, like everything that you can think of any origin it came from a black woman, family oriented, funny, you know, happy. Like I know a lot of, and I really want to accentuate the happy because a lot of people make it seem like black women are these angry people. And it's not that we're angry. We are, we're direct about how we feel because we feel so many things. We're full of empathy. We're full of uh, sensitivity. We're full of femininity. We're we're a lot of different things, but I don't think um, it's just solely angry. I think that we can be happy. We have so much joy inside of us, which is why we probably are able to birth <laughs> so many people. If you notice that, you know, black and brown mm. communities are, um, they always have the, the fullness and the joy of, they're known to have more birthing 
experiences than the other. Yeah, and also, also, I thought what you was talking about, I don't know if you're talking about this too, but I've heard that we are the, Black women are the, oh, what is the word? Where we could birth any child. We can literally birth any race. Oh, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, we're just a very interesting, beautiful, phenomenal being. And I am proud to be a Black woman. I, I wouldn't want to be anything else. Like if I had the opportunity to be reborn again, I would come back. I would take the struggle. Take I would this. I would do it because it's I just, love it too. I love us for real. Right, right. <laughs> I'm literally rooting for everything black. Not not even everyone, but everything, everyone, every being. Like it's just I don't know. It's it's, it's undefined. <laughs> it's yeah. undefined. Well said. Well said. Well, yes. I hope you guys enjoyed this beautiful talk topic yeah. <laughs> about from our garden. And I hope you guys stay tuned for the next series, which will be the in the kitchen, which will be words of wisdom from our parents. And mm-hmm. on that note, let's get into this philanthropy highlight. Get up, get out and get something. How will you make it if you never even try? You need to get up, get out and get something. Y'all, for this week's philanthropy highlight, we'll be highlighting the Women Funding Network, where women lead, change follows. When philanthropy invests in women's foundations and gender justice funders, we empower a deeply intersectional movement that fights for policies and standards across lines of race, class, and gender. The Women Funding Network is the largest philanthropic alliance in the world, dedicated to advancing the essential role of these funders in the unwavering fight for gender equality and justice. Their mission as a global alliance is to provide strategies, research, and resources that support the critical agency and influence of women's foundations and gender justice funders in the movement for equality, justice, and power for all. Lastly, they envision a world where just just outcomes for all genders of all races are regarded as crucial to the creation of dynamic and effective social, political, and economic policies and systems. So to learn more about Women Funding Network, please visit www.womensfundingnetwork.org. Lovely. Yeah. And now let's get into the, what was it called again? Last call. Last call. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to propose a toast. I said toast, motherfucker. So I just kind of want to piggyback on some of the things and reiterate some of the things that Kel said earlier um, when we were talking to our younger selves. I just wanted to say something that I hear a lot, and that is that it gets better. Mm -hmm. Um, You may have rough times. Don't get me wrong, but um, as a Black woman, again, you will likely have the opportunity to correct some things that may be blocking your pathway from elevating. Um, And you will have an opportunity to learn more about yourself and and celebrate yourself. Um, And so I want you to know that it does get better and take this mantra with you from um, 
this inspo card deck that Kel gave me a long time ago, um, Sparkle Shares. Um, and it is, I love myself. I accept myself. Ooh, that's a hard one. Yep. And even harder. And I forgive myself. Indeed. Try to think about those three things this week. Loving yourself, accepting yourself, and forgiving yourself. This girl I follow on Instagram um, that I'm cool with in real life. Uh, we were talking about how she said, you know, I'm supposed to be doing something right now, but instead I'm about to take this nap. And it was like, she was saying that in response because she said a tweet that was yelling at her <laughs> said, I'd be the same one that have a lot of stuff to do and don't do it. And then be mad as shit at myself afterwards. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. And she said, Woo, this is yelling at me. I was like, it's yelling at me too. Cause I'll be the first one to beat myself up when I know I definitely went and took that nap <laughs> instead of checking a few things off the list. But what I said to her after that, that's when she said, yeah, I'm about to take a nap right now. I was like, you know what though, sis, you probably need that nap in mm -hmm. order to um, fulfill whatever you need to do next. So mm -hmm. take that nap, go ahead and take that nap. And that is part of self-care mm -hmm. and accepting that you need that nap, loving yourself to know, like, I need this nap, accepting that you need the nap and it's going to, you might have to delay a task and forgiving yourself after that you took that Clearly nap. forgiveness is, is screaming at me because this is like the third conversation I would say mm. in the day mm. <laughs> that I've had about forgiveness. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go on and work on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes, good. I'm glad it made you think together, about y'all. We're all working together. <laughs> yes. Well, make sure you follow us at Cognac Cupcakes and Conversations on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. Yep, yep. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at CCC Vibes. Um, we have a lot of things coming in store for you, so make sure y'all just stay tuned to our IG. Um, we say that every week. I know. One day. One day. One day. One day. We just got to accept it. You know what <laughs> Yeah, that's the part of forgiving ourselves because we got yes. a lot. We have a lot going on, you know. Yes, but thank yes. you for understanding. You know, thank you. Y'all are loyal and, and supporting. Yeah, yes, y'all still be here <laughs> listening. And so. until next week, y'all. Peace out. Bye. It's a vibe.